It's time for the Sick, Tired, and Transcendent Podcast. But I'm tired of being tired of being tired. With Jasmine and Crystal. Hey, y'all. This is the Sick, Tired, Transcendent Podcast. This is episode three. And today we are talking about who cares for the caretakers. I'm Crystal. And I'm Jasmine. And today we have a special guest. I'm super excited to introduce her. She is a former educator. She is a social justice advocate. She fiercely cares about equity, self-care. She grounds most of her practice in education. And she's all about just love and wholeness. So today we have Sarah with us. Hola, hola. Thank you for having me on the episode. I'm excited to be here and shout out to this podcast because I've really enjoyed listening to it so far. And yeah, my name is Sarah Orsada and I am also hosting a podcast, which is uh, how Jasmine and I connected again recently. And it's about celebrating the stories of women and creating and sharing resources for self-love, self-care, and abundance. So I'm excited to talk today about caretakers and yeah, just kick it off with y'all and revisit because I know it's been several years since we've all been in New Orleans where we all first met. Yeah, I'm excited. Sarah is super humble. She did not tell y'all. She's also the director of people and culture at a Latino serving nonprofit just want to plug that so not coming here just talking she's just speaking from what she knows she's just not coming in here talking today right Love people start a podcast like off top like she yeah Oh, thank y'all and shout out to y'all's producer because y'all sound so so good my first episode sounded so messed up on my podcast I like I said Jasmine said she listened to it she's like yeah girl you didn't even have a name for your podcast there was no trailer no name no audio like you know production and like y'all came out with this beautiful trailer and like it just the podcast is awesome so I'm excited to be on it with y'all today listen we don't have any trident layers to give him <laughs> to pay him with so we are very appreciative I still owe my kids uh, their allowance money so I ain't got nothing <laughs> alright so we're just jumping in today we're gonna be talking about basically who cares for the caretaker for people that do equity work and you should listen to the entire podcast if you feel like you are adjacent to this work because it's more of us than we actually think about and so how does that work actually affect our mental health journey we just closed out by POC mental health month I was super excited that our organization got to spotlight not only just stories but love letters from people around their mental health journey and I don't y'all remember that commercial the 365 black 365 that's how I feel black. about mental health awareness it was McDonald's it used to come on the oh my black is McDonald's celebrating 365 black all year long <laughs> <laughs> 365 black. Okay, okay, I'm done. But that's how I feel about mental health awareness. So just like leaving from July, what are your reflections? Where did you land or like where did you struggle? July was a difficult month, y'all. Why was it so hard? It really was. <laughs> it was the worst month out of all of them. I don't it know what like happened. It was like so long and so short at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I was in some like, I don't want to say like serious depression, but definitely anxiety and depression were like popping up a lot. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I feel like it's kind of always like waves. 
and I haven't really figured out why yet. I don't know if I just hit the point in quarantine. Yes, because I'm still in the house, unlike some other people. I just want to say that. I feel like I'm on the twilight zone daily. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I hit the point in being at home and just like missing connection and like not being able to like be out with a lot of people. I also feel like here I haven't cultivated as well as a, a friend group as I would want. Like in other places I have lived, I've had a much stronger friend group. I know people here, like I know them, but I feel like they're just, I haven't gotten to the place where like it's your close friends that you would visit often. So mm-hmm. I feel like that does also affect it. I think July was really hard. Just I'm putting just- this out there, there's a house for sale in my neighborhood. It's two blocks <laughs> open. So, <laughs> you know, when you're ready to come. You would want a friend <laughs> close by. I know. Then I would have a friend and kids. And kids right. I don't and have to kids. have. And then a husband and if a I need stuff. Yeah. Right. You can have a whole family. <laughs> Friends are looking like, and another friend to help watch my kids if I need to leave. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, you could move in, but you might want a little more privacy. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm like, I haven't gotten to that place. I feel like I was struggling with workouts and eating right, whereas in June and May and April, that had not been a problem. And I feel like in July, I kind of just hit a wall. I don't know if it was my work ramped up mm-hmm. or what it was, but I definitely have been trying to get back in routine for sure. Well, for me... I mean, I've struggled with depression. We already know clinical depression since I was at least a teenager. But for some reason, this is completely different than what I'm used to. Like, usually my depression is sleep all day, don't want to be bothered, don't want to really get out of bed or do anything. And now I just feel like you were saying, in the twilight zone. By the way, the original 60 version, I've been watching again. It's amazing. It's so good. It's so good. I started watching it from the beginning. But... I'm in the twilight zone and I just go through this routine every day. It's almost like the same thing over and over and over again. And it's keeping me focused and I guess it's keeping me sane, but I feel so exhausted. I hit the bed at night and I completely pass out until the morning if I can sleep through the night because of the baby. So it's like, I don't know. I don't feel sad. I don't necessarily feel depressed. I'm not as scared as I was when COVID first started, even though we're still being safe. But it's it's a completely different struggle. And it's it makes me uneasy because I like to plan for things. And this is completely different than what I usually go through. Yeah. I also think it's just a time for connection. Typically, I like, read the summertime is like porch sitting, barbecues, mm-hmm. you know, family over for food. Like it's a time of life and activity, being outside and so many things that I feel like we're used to doing and that we're used to connecting with like during the summer months just can't happen right now, you know, or even just going to see family or friends. I feel like being stuck in the summer was really hard. So yeah. Oh, well, we're coming out y'all. It's almost. Oh, God, I can't believe 2020 is almost, I mean, it's not almost over, but we're on the second half. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Just Maybe. talking about vaccine coming out is just crazy yeah I I had a conversation with my mom today about she's like okay so you know a lot of things I'm like you giving me more credit than than I know she was like so when how long you think we're gonna be in the house I'm like girl I don't know I don't work at the CDC but I was like realistically aspirationally I would hope that there's a vaccine by next summer or like leading into next summer but who knows open but now I'm starting to think, since when does it only take a year to solve right. a major medical mystery? Yeah. 
you know so i'm just thinking about like do i want that vaccine (laughs) and and how long are we really going to be like this like is this really going to be the next couple of years i don't know like yeah i worry about them rushing it what if i just you know grow another i don't know something because there's a backfire (laughs) the vaccine all of a sudden they come out they're like whoop Sorry, y'all. We messed up. You know what I mean? I think there, yeah, I was, I'm saying I think there's a lot of fear around a vaccine, especially like in our communities. But it makes sense given the way that we are treated medically and the way that medical resources are administered. I understand why people wouldn't trust it. But like if you think about the doctors that have made significant medical advances, but by using black and brown bodies as if they were disposable, a lot of people are scared. But on top of that, are we going to be so scared that we're going to be the only people out here still getting COVID and dying? Our communities are affected the most. So if nobody wants to do the trials and the tests, knowing that medications and things affect us differently, when it does come out and we're not represented, they're going to be like, oh, I, I got a third eye on my forehead. Because <laughs> y'all all think y'all woke with a third eye. But I got an extra ear. <laughs> I got an extra ear all of a sudden because the COVID vaccine. That's because no Black people. We're tested. No brown people. Right wanted to be part of this ho- of the trials and I'm not signing myself up so don't even you know what I mean but there's gotta be some people that are willing to test it out or something because rats aren't enough yeah I'm not willing to be tested but when the vaccine comes out I'm getting the vaccine I'm gonna be second in line I'm, oh, I'm, gonna, last. I'm gonna be there for round two you right know? <laughs> let the first people get there see what happens right. in round two I feel Ooh. like we don't have a choice honestly I'm like yeah I'm just gonna have I to would do. rather quarantine one extra month and just make sure let some yeah. people get the vaccine first mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true and then check back in. Yeah. But you're right, we might not have a choice. Like I'm thinking about even to go to school, public school every year, like you have to have vaccines and you have to have show proof that you got a flu shot. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. We might be back on the blue card, the blue immunization card. But I was gonna say, speaking about COVID, what do you feel like is in your toolkit for mental health? What things give you the the will to keep going in this fight? I mean, I have just a practice that comes to mind because recently, like something really triggered me with some things that were going on with family, right? I feel like everything, because we're all living our normal lives still, quote unquote normal, right? Like we still come with our wonderful, beautiful pieces of life and also the really difficult ones, you know, maybe toxic relationships or toxic behaviors that come up in your past that would have come up anyway, right? Because it's life and life is complicated. But something really set me off the other day related to something that's been going on in my family for a long time. And I just like snapped and my partner's out of town, my best friend and roommate's out of town. I didn't want to bother them. Called another one of my really good friends And I just let out all this like toxic energy thoughts. Like I was just processing out loud with her. And I felt really guilty when I got off the phone because I was like the very toxic behavior energy that was coming in my world. I just then pushed it off into someone else's. And I felt really bad. Not that you shouldn't confide in your friends, but 
what I did, which has helped me in the past, is I was like, I want to break the cycle of this toxicity. And I actually just recorded myself on my voice recorder. It's a free app. It may sound crazy, but I was thinking about like right now, affording therapy is, is difficult. And I was like, what is the space that I need right now? It's like, I literally just need space to verbally like get things out. I just need to talk about it. I need to be angry or upset or whatever it is. And I may never listen to that recording again. I probably won't. But I, in talking about what how I was feeling, I realized so many things. And I would love to have a therapist right now. But part of the benefit to me of therapy was just having that space to talk, you know, and I know some people journal, I don't really but yeah, I was just like, man, that's a that's a free thing I can do for myself. And but it took me pausing and being like, what works for me to realize that that was a practice I needed. And I'm really glad that I have it now in like my toolkit, if you will. That's a good point. Actually considering what do I need? Because I'm still stuck. I don't know. Like I tried reading and I can't stay with it. I've tried thinking of other things, trying to learn the language, trying to like even before Jasmine and I were talking about being new plant parents and I take care of them, but it's not giving me the same level of hope and joy. And I'm like, really like, what do I have? Before when I was in therapy, my therapist was like, it's nothing wrong with going to sleep. It's nothing wrong with taking a nap. Like if that's what you need to do, that's what you need to do. And that's, but that's always been my go-to. And it's getting harder to find times to sleep, but I can't sleep my whole life away. So like, I really like, I, I think that's a good idea, Sarah, thinking about like either recording and venting. I vent to other people too, but you're right. It's not fair. And I know when people vent to me, I take on all of that and it's, it's tough when you're dealing with your own stuff. I will say for me, I am in therapy. I've been in therapy with the same therapist for two years. And I think our practice has changed my life. I think there are a couple of things. I talked about this on Sarah's show too. Like you might try out a therapist and that might not be the therapist for Mm -hmm. you. And I think when you're talking about like free resources for people that really feel like they need to process with other people, I think one thing that I could probably do is scotch more. One thing that really can change your practice is asking your friends, do you have the capacity to talk about this today? I have something that's bothering me. I want to talk to you about it. Like, can you take this on? Because sometimes... And I'm guilty of this, just like everybody else. We don't think about what other people have going on when we come to them, like, with our <laughs> with our baggage. Like, we're like, okay, well, I need to talk to somebody. But your friends that can take on that work, just asking them, do you have space for me to be able to unpack this with you? Can you be a thought partner to me? It seems weird in the beginning. You're like, oh, dang, now I'm coaching my friends. This is not what I intended to do. It seems unnatural, but you'll probably feel better walking away from the conversation knowing like, okay, I got confirmation from this person and I can really like talk to them about that. But that's, that's like one thing. Like we have people in our village that have that capacity, but just like asking them for consent. But also we have the right people in our lives. We should also be able to say like, as soon as they come with their problems saying like, you know, right now I don't have the capacity for that. Or can you give me some good news first? Or, okay, I can listen to you. Or even just asking like, do you want me to give you feedback? Do you want me to just listen? Because then you might save yourself extra work too. And then say, all right, like let's end this conversation on a good note. You know what I mean? Like don't just sit in it after. I love that. 
that's thank you all for sharing that tool, those tools with me because yeah I think I would have felt much less guilty had I even asked right because I just called a friend and was like can I just vent but can I just vent is not necessarily do you have capacity like how are you also I'm not doing well do you have capacity to like talk to me really quick about how I'm not doing well these are some triggers just heads up because actually in the conversation what made me feel really guilty is one of my triggers how I talked about this family member was actually an experience this friend had already had it was around like abuse and I think I triggered that friend unknowingly so I should have been like by the way there's some triggers and the things that I'm about to share with you which would I think have been much more fair and I think I wouldn't have felt as guilty leaving the conversation having known that I probably like caused some harm in a person's life that I really love which made it even worse and I was like no um but that's great I love that like checking in with people and I think that builds like more trust with your people and you're right like we do have such incredible wisdom in our communities that we can pull upon when we need it Thank you, Crystal, for that asking people what you need at the end of the conversation. Because I feel like a lot of times I'm like, dang, I don't want your advice right now. I just want you to hear me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like people in my life, I, I don't. I don't need to, but like, I just want to talk about this thing or like, you get all pissed off when they give you advice. You be like, God, ain't nobody asked you for all of that. Nobody <laughs> asked for advice. Know. <laughs> the devil don't need an advocate. I'd be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate that. If you're thinking about like, what do we already have in our community? I know one resource that I put in, like you can follow the NAP ministry. We'll put it in the show notes. I believe they're on all platforms. But if you're just thinking about like risk as a form of resistance, that's a really great account to follow and break up the monotony of we're not being productive. We're not doing nine, nine to 10 like every day. And I, I think like breaking up that culture is like super important for us, especially in the work that we do. Sarah, I know you had mentioned it earlier, but can you just talk a little bit more about the Audre Lorde project? Yeah. So if, you are not familiar with her. Audre Lorde is, was an like, incredible writer. And there's a quote that, that I, has really impacted my understanding of self-care. Because I feel like sometimes self-care feels really foreign. It's like, wow, what a luxury, right? Or like, there's a certain way to do self-care or that it's selfish. But she said, caring for myself is not self-indulgence. It's self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. And so the project really grounds itself in that way of thinking and offer some really cool resources, even if you're not going to fill out, right, like the worksheets, it's just cool to look them over. So some of them ask you, like, what are the needs that you might have? And then recognizing like different types of needs, right? Like there's heart, body, mind, community, and and some of them like touch different parts of, of who you are. And it's like, how can you ask for support? And is there anything like you would want someone to know? So you kind of like write out or talk aloud, like what your needs are and go through that process of reflection so that when you come to someone that you may care about or even if you're just like in a collective like you know like a community space that may look like church it may look like a group of friends like it may look a lot of different types of ways but at least you've had that moment to just check in with yourself and your thoughts and how you're feeling and they also talk about like how the self is just a part of the community right like we there are so many people that we're connected to. And so I think taking that moment of pause to think about your needs is a part of the work. It is a part of collective because who you are and who you show up as and how you pour into yourself, 
absolutely impacts the collectives that you're a part of. And I feel like we're all related, you know, in this work and we all care about it. So we got to pour into our cups and figure out how to check in with ourselves. So I definitely check out the Audrey Lord Project and check out the Fireweed Collective, which just focuses on like healing justice, um, interrupting systems of oppression that impact our mental health. So yeah, I would check that out. Pretty cool. I'm definitely checking those out. For sure. When we think about equity work, look, I had to take a deep breath. (laughs) (laughs) When we think about equity work, how do you feel like it affects your mental health journey? Just like being in this field, how do you think that affects how you maneuver as a practitioner? Crystal, you want to jump in? I mean, are we talking about like education specifically or just like being in this work and like not just specifically education, but anybody that does equity work? Like, do you think that like compact your mental health journey more? Do you think it doesn't affect it as much or do you think that it is aligned in some ways? I mean, I definitely think anything that anybody does, whether it's work or their personal lives, interacting with other people, you take on some kind of burden unless you're like sociopath or something like that but <laughs> not a sociopath. <laughs> I mean <laughs> but if we think about say like we were all teachers right mm-hmm. and in the classroom we had students who were going through things we took on that stress we might not have been hungry that day we might have had like a full breakfast but like one of our babies in our class is hungry mm-hmm. and so now we're stressed out I mean that makes me think about like carrier's trauma which essentially is what it is. And the Jefferson Center for Mental Health describes it as like, if you're regularly hearing about another person's trauma, you can take on some of the symptoms of as if you've lived the trauma yourself. People who work in careers, medical um, providers, law enforcement, mental health staff, social workers, teachers, people working in courts. Even if your job isn't normally in a court, just people on a jury can be going through stress and things like that. You can take on the stress of other people. And how much of that stress you take on depends on your own personal life and experiences, the stress that you're going through, if you have any support. I know like, again, in court, If you're on a jury, you're not supposed to tell anybody what's going on, but maybe you were triggered by something that happened and you're not supposed to even go home to like your closest friend and say anything about it. So how do you deal with things like that? But anyway, so vicarious trauma is also called compassion fatigue and it can occur due to the exposure like one a one-time exposure, or it could be built up over time. The American Institute of Stress says that compassion fatigue is a little different than burnout because it has a more rapid onset while burnout emerges over time. It could have a faster recovery, though, than burnout, but only if it's recognized and managed early. And knowing that a lot of members of Black and brown communities don't necessarily have as much access or even good access to um, any kind of services that will help them makes it a lot more difficult. I definitely agree. I think one of the things that comes up for me is people think about activism. And when you said court, I instantly thought about public defenders. I mean, they all 
all aren't great, but there are people that are really devoted to the work that they do and really try to change outcomes for people. And I think like right now we're in a a culture and society where people think if you don't have like a million followers (laughs) and you don't have a blue check on Twitter that you're not doing activist work, whereas some of the professions that you name like every day is an act of resistance, like teaching, especially in low income communities, every day is active resistance. There are community organizers who are, as I would say, like boots on the ground every single day. And they, they are continually doing this, not just when something happens. And I don't think that gets recognized as when people think about advocates they think about people that have like global followings but there are everyday people in our community who are not only doing equity work but also experiencing this vicarious trauma daily yeah and I also think there's the added layer too when a lot of times educators or people in these professions who give a damn right quite honestly who, who care about other people oftentimes are people who experience that trauma themselves either growing up or are currently in that situation so it's like you're dealing with your own trauma another thing too is like oftentimes people in these professions aren't paid enough to address the, their own needs right you know I mean just speaking for numbers the cheapest therapy session I've ever found is $50 a session right that's a lot for me especially I'm trying to go on a weekly basis or even twice a week, that's a hundred to $200 a month. And that's the cheapest thinking about nonprofits. You know, I don't know about y'all, but that's expensive for a lot of people. And so I think, right, like we expect people to like resolve their own issues and then create space for others. And it makes me just thinking through this conversation is like this challenge to anybody listening who may not have taken role as caretakers. Like how do we as a society have caretakers across all, all sectors of life, right? And I think if we had more caretakers in all industries and it weren't just women of color and many of these professions, right? Carrying and you know, cleaning up the messes left behind society and capitalism, to be quite honest, in my opinion, not to get too political, but I think then there would be less broken systems. Like we would share this collective caretaking as a people and it wouldn't just fall on the backs of a lot of women of color, right? I know there are a lot of other caretakers, but oftentimes in these spaces, I, I do think it's people of color, it's women of color suffering the most and really being super strong for everybody. But yeah, that gets so tiring. And how do we challenge other people to take on that role as well and spread that, you know, so that women and women of color can also be taken care of and have more capacity. Yeah. yeah. You can even see when you're facilitating, if you're having a difficult conversation or uncomfortable conversation, the people that are going to speak up are people that are marginalized in society because we feel like we also carry the additional burden of our personal identity and educating other people. But it's like, damn, if we don't do the work, who else is going to do it? And I think other people need to spend their privilege in that way. Like, how are you making sure that marginalized people that you interact with every day are being cared for not calling them or like getting in a management meeting asking them how you doing no how are you taking care of yourself what's going on are you finding rest these are the questions if you're thinking about people-centered management how like where how not how was your weekend because half of the time I'm gonna just be honest (laughs) I don't want to tell them about my personal life so Mm -hmm. not how was my weekend but how am I finding peace and rest in this role where I'm exerting so much of myself all the time? And I, I hate all of those questions because I don't <laughs> know. Like, stop stressing me out. Like, now you're stressing me out trying to think of how I'm managing my stress. <laughs> right. It's like, yeah, I got to Sunday and then all day Sunday I was thinking about, I don't want to come <laughs> here tomorrow. <laughs> 
or even like people in positions of power like how are your if you're a person in position of power how do your actions care for or not care for people in your company in your organization people owning how their missteps are really creating extra workload for other people that's not fair or justified mm-hmm. or quite honestly compensated yeah i know we did a whole episode on the compensation but we need to <laughs> double click on that because <laughs> honestly there are a lot of times when you are given stretch projects or ways um camouflage as stretch projects but it's additional work and compensation and a lot of times it's for your community so they know you care enough to do it without compensation because you don't want to mess up outcomes for your community but run me my money and stop playing around (laughs) (laughs) i want to ask y'all do you think that you're going through compassion fatigue based on the work that we do right now and things like that so here's some of the symptoms it could affect many dimensions of your well-being there's nervous system arousal or disturbance so like maybe you're not sleeping through the night maybe you're waking more often maybe you're not sleeping emotional intensity increases so if you're not pregnant and you're crying over random things (laughs) cognitive ability decreases behavior and judgment impaired isolation and loss of morale depression and possible ptsd loss of self-worth emotional modulation maybe you you feel differently about like your spirituality or your identity your worldview beliefs and psychological needs like safety trust esteem instancy and control might be affected you may have lost hope and meaning or have you felt anger toward a perpetrator or even just a casual event like do you just get mad at people and not really know where it's coming from Based on that list, how do you guys think you feel? Do you think you feel like you're going through compassion fatigue? Probably. (laughs) Especially the top part of the list. Lately, I haven't been um, sleeping as much. I feel like my self-worth has decreased some, especially over the last month or so. I feel like my worldview is being challenged constantly. And I was thinking earlier when Sarah referenced church, a lot of times I used to go to church because that was a place of community for me. So that was a part of like my restoration. And that's not something that I have been participating with because of my own beefs with organized religion. But that that is a place of like solace like for me. I think when it gets down to the end part of the compassion fatigue, I think like hope and meaning, I'm feeling like a renewed sense of hope and meaning only because we started our own stuff. Like right. we started our business and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like every morning I'm like, Crystal, yes, we can do this. <laughs> I tell you every morning I wake up all hopeful and then I get a work email. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are still intrapreneurs, hopefully. Um, <laughs> hoping to change that. But I think that gives me like such a feeling of hope. We put something out into the universe and people actually like responded to what we were trying to do. And like people are still sharing it and like being engaged in what we're doing. So I feel some hope, but also I have the cognitive dissonance. Every time I get on my computer, I'm like, I have to do my job. <laughs> I'm like, I know y'all know that Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other. <laughs> That's how I feel every morning. I'm like, girl, we're doing this for capital because I want to be able to like control what I actually can do for myself. Mm-hmm. And feeling just a little, a little tiny amount of that control since we have publicly announced has been 
very affirming. Yeah. When you're reading that list, unfortunately, it's actually thinking back to my last year in the classroom, which was one of the hardest like mental health periods of life. And it wasn't because of the students it was because of the way that I was managed and that the students like, right, like the structures within which we were like given the ability to thrive and survive. And we talked about compassion fatigue, but also vicarious trauma. Like I was essentially teaching in a very similar school that I had grown up in that's now served by the organization that I was working for at the time, right? Like underfunded, F school, right? And so then I was on the other side of that as a teacher, seeing all the things happening behind the scenes. And it was so hard to be like, I literally asked myself, I was like, am I oppressing like my community, like my kids, people who I identify with? And that was really hard. I will say, I think since then, the last few years, I'm very grateful to have been on a journey of figuring out what my boundaries are. I never understood or knew what boundaries were really growing up and had to figure out, like, there was no roadmap. There was no, like, this is how you start building a life of balance. But I feel really grateful to be in a place where I think I've been trying hard to cultivate that for me, which is honestly, unfortunately, caused some tension in some relationships, even in my own community of this is a hard line for me. And I finally have the language with which to like reason with that feel good about that. And even that right that line gets crossed all the time, but at least like it's there. And I think it helps feel like keep my spirit in my soul a little bit more guarded than used to. And sometimes I feel some type of way about that because I'm like, am I not showing up for my people the way that I need to? And that's its own thing too, right? But I think that it's important for us to check with ourselves and be like, what is my capacity? What can I take on? What is going to set me over the edge and like, and, and make me spiral? Because I've spiraled and I've been in really dark places and I still go there sometimes, but I'm trying really hard to figure out like how to keep my head above water. And it's been really a, a, such a gift and privilege to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah. Something you said, Sarah, that like really stuck, well, two things. One, it's never the kids. When no. teachers are struggling with their jobs or anything, it's never the kids. And they could be the worse i mean (laughs) you out but you still love them (laughs) why they will curse you out like i've been cursed out so many times oh yeah it's never the kids it's always like the systems and stuff in place like you said and we went into this work not to be saviors but thinking like we can give back to our community we can help we're in a position where we can provide support and love and caring and resources and then you actually get into these organizations and you're not giving the tools that you need to do that job and even though you're like oh they're doing it wrong i can help when you're not given the right things it's so hard to maintain and it's just like so frustrating and that's why I think a lot of people decide to leave or decide to go out on their own or some people are actually forced out because they get sick physically and mentally and emotionally sick because they're taking on so much secondary trauma. Yeah. And I I think something that happens with me just to like self-protect from burnout, I'll be attempting to advocate about something. Like I've raised this issue so many times and like nobody's listening to what I have to say. So I start to retreat and there may be like other things that happen down the line that are like okay I should be using my voice right now but there has been a pattern of like disregarding my thoughts and my perspective as a black woman so I'm not going to talk anymore oh my gosh I feel like the silence is so deafening sometimes or when you know you're speaking but somebody is 
not like they already have their mind made up about who you are and they've like been very clear with you about who you are even if it's like microaggressions and so it's like one you're exhausting yourself talking to someone who is not listening and like not open to who you are as a person and then you're fighting the very people who are in power who should be like it's their job that's not yours you know what I mean like I think so many people are forced to step out of their lane and take on other people's job responsibilities because they're a person of color you know oh by the way you're gonna be our DEI consult like consultant because you might be one of the only black people in this company and like framing it as we want to hear your opinion not you're an expert on this and we should compensate you for your like emotional energy (laughs) and perspective right she's like hmm what do you think of this listen every time I'm like that sounds like consulting to me right (laughs) listen picking your brain meeting for a coffee asking questions all that that sounds like consulting to me and for people who have not monetized yet stop letting these people use y'all right (laughs) go ahead and get your check (laughs) one of the things that we've been talking about is like additional trauma and I know like a lot of the work that I do do in therapy is unpacking childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. But there is a whole other trauma that comes along with just our own personal identity. One of the things that when I was looking up stuff, because Crystal would <laughs> be the expert on this, but I seen a lot of information about intergenerational trauma. There were a lot of studies, but they were mostly related to the Holocaust and talking about how trauma presents itself and then is passed down from ancestors down to us. While there isn't uh, a lot of research around black and brown people and the trauma that we've experienced in this country, I guess forever, like since inception, I'm not a scientist, but I am sure <laughs> with my fifth grade science award. Uh-uh. <laughs> science award. She really went there. <laughs> You're like fourth place, fifth grade science award. <laughs> if I could fit that lab coat, let me tell you. <laughs> but I am sure that it is impacting our lives just as much as black and brown people just navigating through the world today that there's already compacted trauma on what we're already trying to do. So like your external environment and the things that are going on around you can have an effect on your genes and like your actual DNA and how things are presented in your body. So there's like this new, new-ish study called epigenetics. And basically it's like your DNA can stay the same. So when you're born, your parents pass on traits and things like that, right? It won't look different, but things can present differently. So, for example, my parents don't have asthma, but I have asthma. Is it because of the trauma that my parents have gone through growing up? Or it could be, it may, it might not be. It might be because the world is just dirty right now. <laughs> like, maybe it's just, what's that movie that we really like? The Happening, where, like, the world is just trying to kill us because I mean, the world trash. is pissed right now. So the happening, the happening is um, happening. <laughs> literally, if COVID mutate, then what? What we gonna do? Because we oh, didn't right. get the first one figured out. But yeah, exactly, exactly. But basically, so in epigenetics, it's studying or 
scientists are investigating how environmental factors impact genetics of your babies, basically. In certain parts of the world where social systems are highly centralized, environmental information that might have influenced families can be obtained. So some of this could be a hint as to why you see increased percentages in Black and other marginalized groups of things like hypertension or high blood pressure, diabetes, asthma, certain cancers. Breast cancer is like crazy in Black women or strokes. I know almost every older person, at least like my grandparents and things like that, like the majority of them have had strokes and more than likely it's because of stress. So now thinking about the stress that our grandparents and parents have gone through and then like the stress that we're going through, what is that going to look like? How is that going to present in our kids further down the line? Now, I think the fact that you just talked about stress too and how it disrupts nearly every single system in your body and it can suppress your immune system. Like I was joking with someone recently, but I was like, um, yeah, like I got on TikTok so I can watch videos every once in a while so I can laugh more because I don't want to get COVID. I was like, I need to like, because apparently like laughter, like, you know, it calms you and it helps take away stress. But it's so true. Like when you're living under stress, from the time you're born to the time you die for many different reasons, especially with the high rates of incarceration in like communities of color with Im- immense rates of poverty, all of these different issues that people have to navigate unnecessarily. And then th- that like your systems, all of them are under that for your whole, almost your whole like existence is insane. It's like we talk a lot about external forms of violence, right? Like police violence, police brutality, like all these different types of violence. But then it's like, what's happening internally to us that we're not even seeing on a daily basis as well? And how is that killing us? You know, like I've been seeing a lot more studies coming out about stress and how it's going to, it's like moving up as one of the leading health epidemics, right? It's like, it's killing people. And it's like a silent killer too, because you don't even know that it's coming on. Yeah, I think it's something we need to talk about way more. And then you think about how mental health resources are still so inaccessible, you know? And a lot of the work I've seen that's been led to create access for communities of color is led by people who identify as Black or Latino, or it's like they're carrying that workload. (laughs) Like at what point does the workload shift to somebody else and does somebody else start caring for our communities. We can't do it on our own. Right. Speaking of when does it start shifting and like how we we actually can't do it all on our own. I think when we talk about all of these different variations of trauma and wellness, one of the things that's most important, especially zoom in people that work in equity, is that you take care of yourself all of the time, not just when things get hard. Also noticing your triggers as well. Like notice when you start to spiral. I know for me, like general things that I notice for me, if I'm in routine, I'm grocery shopping, I'm cooking meals, I'm not eating out, I'm exercising, I'm taking care of myself. I'm tracking some of the things and putting good things into my body. I generally know that I'm doing well. Sometimes if I notice that I stop doing those things, I don't want to grocery shop. I don't want to cook. I notice like my spaces are messier around my home. My laundry basket is (laughs) double over from what it normally is. I know that something internally is off and like noticing that trigger and notice when I need to start utilizing other resources and ways to like 
cycle through my mental health journey is, is super important. I think like if you are working in this field, Take care of yourself all the time because, listen, stress is killing us, literally. Stress is getting us up out of here early. Right. Take care of yourself and, and notice, like, when you start to spiral. All right. <laughs> That's such a... Yes. <laughs> That's such a um like weird place, but it it definitely goes into like how we feel about this podcast. We definitely want to pay homage to Fannie Lou Hamer with the sick and tired, but we also want to talk about how we transcend through the world. So that leads me to this week, like what is keeping y'all transcending? <laughs> so I um, thank y'all so much for having me on this episode and. Part of coming on the episode, I love, this is the second ever podcast that I've been on as a guest, but I've loved the reflective process of being the person interviewed and made me think about like, what are some of my ideas around self-care and how have I like claimed it and made it my own. And so I just kind of want to share some things that I've been thinking about, but I think it's important, like how I'm transcending this week is thinking about like it's important to find what works for you and that there's no right way to do self-care. There's no one size fits all. It's not like you have to go pay for like $150 massage and like, you know, think about all the things that it costs. Cause I know that makes me even more anxious sometimes when I'm like, dang, I would love to care for myself this weekend, but I can't afford to like go get my nails done, blah, 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 whatever it is. But if you have the funds, set them aside for yourself and don't just spend them on new clothes for whoever else. Um, <laughs> but if that's your self-care, do that too. But I also think that it's important to create like your own wellness plan like actually sit with yourself and think through on a periodic basis right it doesn't have to be like this aha like all right this is my wellness plan once and for all it's like no it's over time but at least start the conversation with yourself of noticing those pieces in your life when you're like dang i feel calm okay cool you feel calm what did you do to, do to get there what happened note it down write it on your notes section hold yourself accountable to just you know being with yourself over a week or two weeks or a month of saying like what did i do to make myself feel good and then checking in with your thoughts thinking about who can support you and your needs it can be people but it can also be other input so i did a, like a huge clean out of my social media and i literally put badass like women of color to follow on instagram inspirational like women of color doing amazing things, women of color traveling, starting businesses, right? Like I was filling my filter with people who I knew would pour into my cup and give me hope because I think cultivating hope is really important. And then also podcasts, like maybe you don't have right now like a person you feel comfortable sharing your story with, but it's great to hear other people's stories and people can get, be really vulnerable on podcasts and just kind of knowing that you're not the only person struggling with mental health or feeling depressed or anxious, like normalizing those feelings, like they're pleasant but they're part of so many of our journeys and I think it can make us feel a little less isolated when we know that a lot of these feelings are are ours right but they're also due to like generations of, of stress people have been experiencing or systems that we've been subjected to that are unfair and I think lastly one of the ways I'm transcending is recording myself I think I've realized now like what makes me feel really good is talking through how I feel and not needing solutions. Like I don't need someone to listen and then give me a solution. I just need to like get it out, literally out of my body and get that energy out for a moment. And in that process, have my aha moments with me and just letting myself naturally come to my own realizations and reminding myself that I am wonderfully and beautifully made and just reminding myself that I'm loved and that I am loved and that I give love and just like being in that cycle of thinking. I'm gonna need you to say those things on a loop <laughs> when I wake up. <laughs> that was beautiful. 
<laughs> Honestly, check out Sarah's pod for all of that. <laughs> Listen, if you don't want to be sick and tired, you should also check out, like, subscribe to us so you can hear the truth, but also to subscribe to Sarah so you can be affirmed in your turn. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Thank y'all for the shout out. Um, What about you, Crystal? Where are you transcending right now? So... I'm not gonna lie, I often struggle with this question. And I think it might seem small, it might seem like it's a cop-out, but I think just acknowledging that and being okay with it has kept me transcendent. It puts me above where I used to be years before, where it's like, you suck because you don't know how to get out of this, you're trash, you're garbage. When now it's like, okay, I know I did a lot today and I know I need to take the time to take care of me or, you know, I'm not okay today, but you know, let's try again tomorrow. And I think that is actually what's lifting me up, the hope for another day, another tomorrow. And then I know there won't always be another day or another tomorrow, but just thinking like, you know what, today wasn't the best, but these are the couple of things that you got done or these are the couple of good things that came out of it. You saw your baby smile today. Your son gave you an extra kiss today. Your daughter is an asshole just like you and it makes you proud. Just those things. <laughs> just those things. Don't do my girl. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. It's so amazing watching yourself be an asshole at four. It really, literally makes me proud. <laughs> but those are like the simple things that keep me transcendent. Yeah. So every time I go to therapy, she'd be like, tell me one, one good thing and one bad thing. And sometimes I'd be like, girl, I'm sitting in a dumpster fire right now. Like <laughs> everything, everything is burning. It's all on <laughs> Paris is burning wrong. It's on fire. Like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and <laughs> two bad things. <laughs> yeah. Like I will start the list and it'll be like a, a long list. But I think just like being in practice with that all the time, every day is like Crystal says, not going to be great. But like just knowing that there are even bright spots, even in the rough, rougher days. Um, some days might feel like, oh, it's the end of the world. This is not working. I can't do this. Everything's on fire. But there are some spots that are keeping me going. I think just being able to know my community, and when I say community in this context, I mean like great friends like you both and other women of color who are doing amazing work. I don't even like you like that. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but yeah, like other women of color who are doing amazing work, hopefully I will, like I started off by saying like I didn't feel like I have like deep friendships here, but hopefully I will build some specifically what's keeping me going this week is that I just want to get through this week. I have like a huge project at work. I want to get through this week and then I have some days off and I just want to rest. Seeing rest on the horizon is enough to just keep me trending. Yeah. Sarah, tell us where they can find you on Blue Ivy's internet so they can follow your project. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, please follow me at the She Love Story on Instagram where I post just honestly, I'm still figuring out what I'm posting, but it's just all things around like love and, and just badass women doing amazing things. So if you want a little dose of hope and also just love, come on over to at the She Love Story. And then also my podcast is the She Love Podcast on Apple, Spotify, lots of places. So just check it out. And if you want to email me, would love to hear from you. My email is my first name, the letter F and my last name at Gmail. So Sarah 
fdelcastillo at gmail.com. It will be in the show notes because it's a mouthful. <laughs> yes, it will be in the show notes. And there are a million places you can find us online. You know this already. You can find us online. If you do want to compensate some Black women for equity work, go ahead and hit us up at www.pivotalparadigmproject.org. We're on Facebook and Instagram as Pivotal Paradigm Project, Twitter as Pivotal Paradigm, and email us at team at pivotalparadigmproject.org. Oh, I need to level up with y'all. <laughs> <laughs> that's for the website. Now, that's if you want to run us our coins. Now, if you want to <laughs> tune into more podcast information, you can hit us up at Sick Tired Transcendent on Facebook and Instagram. We're on Twitter as the Sick Tired Pod, and our email is sick.tired.transcendent at gmail.com. Please comment, rate, and subscribe. We just closed out by POC Mental Health Month in July. It seems like it was a struggle for everybody. With that being said, we hope you take some of the healing from this episode and it helps you in your practice. Other than that, y'all have a good day. Bye, y'all. Bye.